Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today I'd like to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It's amazing to me that when we walk with Christ, when our sins are confessed, and we allow God to be in control of our lives, the Holy Spirit uses the fruit of the Spirit to communicate God's love to those around us. And we become lights in darkness. And we do the will of God just by walking in the Spirit of God. And as we do that, the fruits of the Spirit shine through and we make an impact in those around about us. This week we continue our discussion with Dr. Craig Hartman, Director of Shalom Ministries and author of Through Jewish Eyes, and Dennis Campbell, the President of Mission Go Ministries. There are lots of different perspectives on eschatology and the apocalypse and things of that nature. So I will be very clear right from the start and let your listeners know, I'm a dispensationalist uh, when it comes to biblical interpretation. I believe in the grammatical, historical, literal uh, interpretation of scriptures and the contextual con interpretation of scriptures. And by the way, um, one of the things that has um, strengthened my belief that that's the, the appropriate way to approach scripture is actually my studies from my Jewish background, because the, if I can call it the premillennial view of scripture, the pre-tribulational view, in fact, is very consistent with Jewish expectation in the first in, in late second temple period and, and, and early first century. Which would include the, which would be included in the late second temple period anyway, but uh, you know what I mean. The, the, for those that forgive me if I'm speaking a foreign language, I'm, I'm coming from my Jewish background. But the intertestamental period and the and the first century, um, it's not exactly precise, but close enough. Um, so, from my perspective, which I would argue vehemently, <laughs> is the is the biblical perspective. The next prophetic event on the calendar of God. There is the rapture or removal of the church from the earth. Sometime subsequent to that, we don't know from the scriptures exactly how long after that, but sometime after that, probably shortly after that, the 70th week of Daniel begins. That seven-year period of time is sometimes referred to as the tribulation. I prefer to call it the 70th week because the term tribulation really should be used to describe the second half of that seven-year period of time, which is the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what's, what's happening in the minds of many people um, is they're seeing the events taking place around the world. And it's not just the October 7th event and you know catastrophe, if you will, but it's October 7th in this grand scheme of America seeming to be disappearing in the world importance, Russia playing its role Persia, Iran playing its role, and anybody who even reads the scriptures, even if they're not expert at it, they see all these countries, they see it involved in, in some of the uh, end time events, and they think, oh, cataclysmic events surrounding the, these countries and the Muslim world and the, and, the, and the focus of it all being right there in the land, what's going on? Well, because of 
the fact that the God has laid out the order of events, if you will. I mean, there's some details that are not filled in for us, but the order of events is pretty well there. We can know with the certainty that this is not the end. Okay. It could lead to the end, but it's not the end. And how do I know that? Well, because uh, you're here. And I think, and I heard a rumor today that you're a believer. So therefore, if you're here, you haven't been, I don't want to make it selfish about me to, 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 to boast that I'm a believer. I'm saying you're a believer and you're here. So we're talking. So if you're here, that means you haven't been raptured. If you haven't been raptured, that means the 70th week of Daniel hasn't begun yet. If the second week, if the 70th week of Daniel hasn't begun, then the midpoint hasn't come. And if the midpoint hasn't come because it hasn't begun, then the end hasn't come. And therefore, we're not coming to the end of it all where it culminates in the ultimate uh, campaign of Armageddon. However, however, so on the one hand, we have to remind ourselves, this is not the end. So don't go running for the to fill up your, your, you know, with whatever you need to fill up your house with to prepare for the end. This isn't it. However, if we look at the book of Revelation, if we look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, if we look at some of, uh, some of the key prophecies, Matthew 24, if we look at these prophecies and we say, okay, it sure does sound like what, and it sure does read like what I'm seeing today. And certainly the geopolitical lineup is consistent with what it will be when the end comes, if you will, when the 70th week of Daniel comes, when the end of the end, when the when the end of the latter days come, it look, it's going to look a lot like this. And with America declining in its importance, especially so. So, so for me, number one, I want to encourage people, don't worry, this isn't it. But as Christians, for those of us that take the Bible seriously and for those of us that take the privilege that we have to represent our Lord here and now, this ought to be a wake-up call that when the end comes, it's going to look like this, but it's going to be multiples, multiples worse. But I won't be here. This should motivate us to be all the more so involved in evangelistic outreach because it could be any minute that we're called out of here. We don't know. It could be many, many years. But the geopolitical landscape is exactly what it's expected to be based on the Bible. Um, it, when, we're not in the 70th week of Daniel yet, but tomorrow the rapture could happen. The rapture could happen. The rapture could happen between the time we actually record this and it's heard by people. And in that case, then things change, but it's all the setup is already there. I'm not predicting it, but I'm just saying. So one thing that should come out of it is a comfort and a confidence in knowing this isn't the end. So I don't need to run for cover. I need to run for, for unsaved souls to besiege them. This is it. And, you know, many of us go to churches that have specific uh, provisions in our doctrinal statements as to the end times. Well, if we really, 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 really believe what we say we believe well, here's an opportunity for us to actually act upon it. The other thing I would say, tying it back to um, to October 7th, is October 7th was just a, a disgusting, horrible, dreadful event. And I can tell you as a Jewish man, Jews all over the world have felt a gut punch from this. We, we I mean, I'm talking to Jewish people all the time, believers and non-believers. We all have a common pain from this. I'm not comparing the pain of all of us to the pain of the families who have lost loved ones or been kidnapped. I'm not comparing us to that, but I am saying not since the Holocaust has anything come close to this. 
And the Holocaust, of course, was much worse. And the 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 Holocaust that's coming during the se- second half of the 70th week of Daniel is going to be much, much worse than either the Holocaust or October 7th combined. And that should bring and that should bring compassion out of people's hearts and, and, and souls. One of the things, and I refer, and let's tie back to what I said in the beginning, not that this was planned, but you know, the 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 hesitancy that 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 Gentiles have. There's a hesitancy that Gentiles have in reaching out to Jewish people for whatever reason. Um, most think they're not sure what they're going to say to them. They know more about the Bible than I do. What, what, how can I reach out to them? What I've been saying to people, and I was instigated by um, by someone else about this, is if there's ever been a time in the since the Holocaust, if there's ever been a time for non-Jewish people to reach out to Jews, it's now. And guess what? They, you don't have to think about what do I know about the Bible? How can I impress them? Go up to a Jewish person and just tell them you love them. Tell them that you're praying for them. Tell them that you hope that everybody in their family is doing okay. Tell them that you stand with Israel because God loves Israel. And as a believer, as a Jew, as, as, as a believer in the in the Bible and in Messiah, you know that Israel is at the center of God's plan. And I was talking to someone recently who, who 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 thanked me for suggesting that because he confessed to me he he's had a lot of trouble talking to Jewish people because he hasn't quite known what to say. He said, "Well, now I I, I can say this easily because I believe that I do think it's horrible what happened. I do care about what's going on with the hostages, and so this is an opportunity where people and I'm not saying to use it." in an insincere way. I'm saying, if you have an interest in talking to Jewish people, but just didn't know what to say to them, now you know what to say. You can say that you cry with them. Amen. You weep with them. And 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 you have a pain in your heart the way they have a pain in their heart because Israel and God's use of Israel and the Jewish people and his plan from start to finish, um, though they're not perfect, though they're not any better than anybody else, but that's the way God planned it. His use of them brought a pain into your heart too and that will open up opportunity and listen jewish people may be thinking about eternity right now and this is an opportunity to show compassion but also testify as messiah so i think it's a time for all of us jew and gentile alike to realize that the the the, the, the time could be short even though this isn't the end so we all ought to be motivated for evangelism but especially this may give us opportunity where others, where people may have been hesitant in the past or awkward to just go right ahead and show love. It, it, there's no there's no cost in telling someone you care. Well, th- thank you, Dr. Hartman, for that, because I think this is a moment where we really can talk to our audience about uh, accepting this challenge. Uh, we call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ, uh, where they live, where they're at now, and how they should be reaching out uh, to our brothers and sisters uh, around our community. So we thank yeah. you. Join us next week as we continue our discussions with Dr. Craig Hartman, author of Through Jewish Eyes. There are many causes of hopelessness. The most common is placing our confidence in things that can fail money, health, beauty, and status. Painful circumstances can cause us to lose hope in other people or circumstances. God wants to work out his purposes for you and ultimately give you peace that passes all understanding. In the booklet Hope Your Soul you'll learn what all of the unreliable anchors are, and how to place your hope in on the anchor that will never fail.
To order your copy of the booklet Hope, the Anchor of Your Soul, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2 or 7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Reasons for Christian Rejoicing. Printed copies are available upon request. Let me first extend best wishes for God's blessing on each listener during this new year. Today, let me share with you from Psalm 33 under the topic, Reasons for Christian Rejoicing. Gladness and joyful song and worship is particularly the domain of Christianity. Psalm 33 gives some reasons for this. In the previous psalm, Psalm 32, King David had experienced the deep forgiveness of God for his wickedness. His repentance had been deep and yet simple. He did not climb hundreds of steps on his knees or beat himself with whips. Forgiveness doesn't come that way. But rather, in Psalm 32 and 5, David said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Confession brought forgiveness. David admitted his sins and asked for forgiveness, and God forgave him. That forgiveness was real and deep, for the heavy burden of his guilt was graciously and completely lifted. We know this from the words that he wrote in Psalm 33, for they followed that experience. Let me read some of these verses. Psalm 33, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery, an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What gracious words these are. David's heart just seemed to burst forth with song when he experienced forgiveness. He not only praised the Lord, but he wanted others to do so as well. Now, we know a lot more about the cost of forgiveness than David did. We know that God had to send his own son Jesus to earth. We know that Jesus had to suffer the awful death of the cross to pay for man's sin. How much more, then, we as Christians should rejoice in the Lord 
since we now know that God's grace cost his Son, the Lord Jesus, all that suffering, and we are forgiven through his sacrifice. But there are more reasons for, for Christians to rejoice other than God's forgiveness, great as that is. David names some of them in this psalm, and they're valid for believers today. Let us take a moment to look at it then. We read in verse 1 that David implores believers to rejoice, to sing, to praise. And then he says, for, in verse 4. So here is the first reason, for the word of the Lord is right. David said, we can praise God, we can rejoice, we can uh, sing for joy because God has given us his word, the Bible. King David called the Old Testament books of his day, many which were still to be written, but the Pentateuch was written and perhaps one or two others. He called them the word of the Lord, God's word. Think of it. The God of heaven has spoken to our world, and the Bible is his holy word. King David had no hesitation calling the Bible the word of the Lord, and he urges people to rejoice, to sing, to praise God for the scriptures. The Bible itself claims to be the word of God. Hundreds and hundreds of times, uh, the book records words such as, and God said, or the word of the Lord came, or God said. This book then, the Bible, is not some collection of human writings only, but rather God's word, because the Holy Spirit of God moved men to record what he wanted. Second Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is God's Word, written by men, but inspired by God's Holy Spirit. The writer of the book of Hebrews says the same thing. Hebrews 1 and 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. The writer declares then that the word spoken by Israel's prophets was God's Word. That's the written word. It tells of the coming of Jesus Christ, who was God's Son, and he's called the living word. So God has spoken to our world in the pages of Holy Scripture, the written word, and through his Son, the Lord Jesus, the living word. The apostle Peter believed and wrote, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1. He not only declares the Bible to be God's word, but he says in 2 Peter 1, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter then says the Bible is not only God's word, but it is precious. He says it is of the greatest value. It is to be prized above all other books. It is precious, the Word of God. Recently, I read an account of the Wycliffe Bible Translators, an organization dedicated to translating uh, God's Word into every language group of the world. I don't know, something over 8,000, perhaps, different languages. At any rate, this particular account was one recently of a group of people in Southwest Asia. 
translators had worked for years and finally had printed copies of the Bible in this particular language. On the day the Bibles were to be given out, people had come for miles around. There was singing, there was clapping, there was rejoicing, there was weeping as the people received God's word in their language for the first time ever. How grateful they were, and how moved they were, and how they prized this precious book, which tells of a God of love sending his own son to redeem lost mankind. The people of that tribe were doing what David said, rejoicing, praising, singing, because God has given his word. I venture to say that most of us today have a copy of that same Bible. But do we really prize it by reading it? Do we get excited about it like the tribal people did and like David did? Perhaps this year we all could determine to treat the Bible more as God's Word and spend quality time reading, studying, memorizing, and sharing this precious Word. What a blessing that could be! For the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. It is through God's word that we can withstand temptation, and that we can learn more of God's ways and more of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God promises to bless us, to strengthen us, to teach us, as we open the pages of Holy Scripture. Then secondly, David says, for the word of the Lord is right. So we are not only to rejoice that God has given us his word, but also because that word is right. It is the truth. David indicates this in some important areas. First, he says, God's revelation about himself is right. For he says, the word of the Lord is right. So David is saying God's word is right first about God. He exists. There is a God. There is a Lord. And he is real. Scripture says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. Psalm 53. It's foolish to think that everything we are and see and know in this world just happened. No, there is a God. In the beginning, God created. Genesis 1 and 1. The scriptures declare there is a God, and the scriptures are right. But what is God like? Verse 5 says, He. So God is, is, is a person. He is alive. He's not just some mysterious force that moves in the world. He loveth righteousness and judgment or justice, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So God is here using David to reveal truth about himself. He loveth. God is a loving God. He is righteous. He is just. He is good. God's word is right about the revelations of God himself. Then God's word is right about creation. Verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. David declares by inspiration of God that the heavens were made. They didn't just happen by some chance cosmic explosion. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 says. 
Much scientific debate surrounds the question of the origin of the universe and life, with the evolutionary theory being prominent. But there are many, many distinguished scientists that wholeheartedly believe the Bible account. Dr. Howard Kelly, former professor of John Hopkins University, wrote an article some years ago now entitled, I am a scientist and a believer. He said, quote, I have within the past 20 years of my life come out of uncertainty and doubt into a faith which is an absolute dominating conviction of the truth. I now believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God." Unquote. Dr. William Ramsey, a young English archaeologist many years ago, went to Asia Minor to prove the history of the book of Acts to be false. His life work convinced him of the total reliability of Scripture, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ, and wrote many important books on archaeology. There are many scientists of our day who would declare with David, the word of the Lord is right. The Bible also identifies a major problem with mankind. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Although there is much beauty in God's word, there are also major problems, hatred, war, disease, crime. Something is amiss in a world that God created and pronounced good. That problem was not of God's making, it was of man's doing. Adam by disobedience sinned and passed on a sinful nature to all mankind, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. This is why there is hatred and fraud and murder. Man is a sinner, and as history proves, he's incapable of changing his own nature. As we look around the world with terrorism, suicide, bombings, and increasing immorality, it's not difficult to believe the word of the Lord is right concerning man's depravity. The Bible wonderfully reveals a loving God who provides a total and complete salvation for mankind. 1 Corinthians says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And Acts 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Millions of people today can say, the word of the Lord is right concerning sin, my sin, and concerning the Savior, for I have found forgiveness and reconciliation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you come and by faith invite Christ to come and forgive you, and in spirit experience today that the word of the Lord is right, you will then be able to rejoice and to praise God. I trust you will. I trust that the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you throughout this next week as you contemplate some of the truths that have been presented to you. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're concerned about people growing in their faith and being discipled through the messages and uh, the programs that we present, but also we're concerned about those who may be listening to our broadcast who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And of course, this is a new year and to be a new start if you would ask Jesus to come into your heart if you don't already have that relationship with Him. 
And the scriptures are very clear about what needs to happen. First of all, God says that he, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is eternal life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Lord Jesus is the one that did the work on the cross. He's the Savior. He paid your penalty for your sins. And he rose on the third day, and your sins can be forgiven if you ask him to come into your life. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And as you grow closer to God, God uses you to bigger and greater extent. That's what the scripture promises. Remember to order your copy of the booklet Hope, the Anchor of Your Soul. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, Saint. Catharines, Ontario, L2 or 7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners.